some pretty big rumors right now that Texas and Oklahoma might be joining the SEC. Is that good for college football or bad for college football? I would say that's bad for college football. Just too much talent in one conference, kind of. Not, not necessarily that. Like, I just think like, oh, I, I don't. I'm having a hard time believing those are even true. Like, why would Oklahoma even want to? That's fine. I mean, you're making the playoff every year. Yeah, and Oklahoma and te- Texas will will not make a bowl game. <laughs> you know, they won't. Texas is not as good as they think they are. If they think they're in good SEC and be successful, just no, true. I mean, Oklahoma. I mean, they could be successful in the SEC, but they're they're not going to be the top dog yeah. like how they are in the Big Twelve. They may not even be top five school. You know, like I wouldn't. I mean, Oklahoma. They're talented. Lincoln Riley's a great coach. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. this isn't really my place to say, but. I think that they will get spanked if they did that. Woo! Carson Strong did not mince words when asked about the Texas-Oklahoma situation out at Mountain West Media Days. He was an awesome interview. I'll play some more of that audio at the end of the podcast. But I thought that was really funny to get an active college football player's perspective on it and to have him be so honest. I mean, I think he was dead on in, in saying that Texas is going to get served a big old piece of humble pie in the SEC and maybe Oklahoma will to an extent as well. Obviously surviving that gauntlet a little bit tougher than playing Kansas State. This is the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. We're talking about the CSU Hall of Fame class. We're going to talk about Trey McBride and how he's on his way to a Hall of Fame career. We're going to talk about Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC what does that mean for CSU, the Mountain West, and more? We're going to talk about some potential targets for some of the other Power 5 conferences, as well as the Mountain West. And I'm going to finish up with just some uh, watch party news and info on the DNVR Bar Grand Reopening this weekend, which is going to be a lot of fun if you're in the metro area. Definitely come on down to the DNVR Bar on Saturday. Before we dive into everything, you guys, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market in Colorado, it's crazy. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process for you. Trust me, they're just going to take away so much of the stress out of the process. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. They're DNVR members, they're proud CSU alumni, they work nights, they work weekends. They do what it takes to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen different lenders with many products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers be as informed as they want to be every step of the way. And Mike and Virginia will take the burden off folks so they can focus on their home being a home, not just a house. As I said, they are DNVR members and they have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Or you can give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 
1931006, Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. Like I said at the beginning, CSU announced their 30th Hall of Fame class for the Athletic Hall of Fame. They're going to get inducted on September 10th at the ceremony. That's obviously the day before the Vanderbilt game, a part of Ag Weekend. Should be great. Just going to kind of go through the inductees real quick. Starting with Brianne Fuller-Bonin, she represented Women's Swim and Dive from 2018 to 2013. Graduated in 2012, finished her master's degree in 2013. She was a four-time conference champion and set a Mountain West record in 2013 in the 200-yard backstroke. She finished 23rd nationally in the 100 and 200 backstroke in 2013 at the NCAA Championships. She also placed second in the conference three times, was a four-time all-conference selection, and as a senior, she received the 2013 Virginia Frank Award, three-time team MVP. She graduated with four school records. She was named the Collegiate Swimmer of the Year by Sportswomen of Colorado. She also qualified for the 2012 Olympic Trials. Really, really great stuff. Congratulations, Brianne Fuller-Bonin. The next inductee is Terry Harrison. He represented track and field. From 1966 to 1969, Terry Harrison competed at a time when CSU was not in conference competition until his senior year. Despite competing independently, Harrison placed second nationally at the NCAA meet in 1968 in the 10,000 meters. He earned All-American honors in addition to winning the conference championships in cross-country in 1968 and track and field in 1969. He was named to the USTFCCCAA All-Region Team in 1968 for the 10,000 meters. He helped the cross-country team finish 13th in the country at the 1966 NCAA Championships, where he as an individual faced 27, or finished 27th nationally. He uh, won the USA Cross-Country Championships national title in both 1966 and 68, and he later placed 7 at the 1972 U.S. Olympic Trials and the 5,000 meters. Really, really decorated career by Terry Harrison. The next inductee is Rich Feller, the head volleyball coach from 1983 through 1996. Feller, this is obviously according to the press release, set a stage for the winning tradition, which the Rams currently have. As the program's third volleyball coach, Feller coached at CSU for 14 seasons. They won two HCAC conference championships, and he had a 642 winning percentage all time, going 299 and 167 during his time with the Rams. During his tenure, Feller coached three All-Americans, five CSU Hall of Fame inductees. He had 12 top 25 final season rankings, and he took eight of his CSU teams to the NCAA tournament. In 1987, Feller was named the AVCA Regional Coach of the Year. After leaving CSU in 96, he became an assistant for Team USA in 1997 and 98. He went on to be a coach at the University of California, where he won a Pac-10 championship and was also named the 2010 AVCA National Coach of the Year. He retired from coaching back in 2017. Clearly a very storied coach with an incredible career. Congrats to him. Debbie Mass from Track and Field. She represented 1991 to 1994. She was a two-time All-American winner for the Indoor Mile in 1993 and 1994. She's also one of the rare CSU female student-athletes to win both the Virginia Frank Award, which she took home in 1993. That's obviously given to the most outstanding female athlete. But she also won the Mensimer Award in 1994, which goes to the outstanding female scholar-athlete. 
So she got it done in the classroom, on the track, a three-time conference champion in the mile. God, that sounds, that's just so impressive. I, I can't even imagine competing in the mile. I, I didn't even like running the mile in middle school gym class. But uh, Debbie Mass was a beast in and out of the classroom, on and off the track. Joel Dreesen was also is also going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He obviously played from 2001 to 2004. One of the most popular Rams of my childhood and uh, one of the better-known tight ends in CSU football history. He was a 2004 Honorable All-American by SportsIllustrated.com and Pro Football Weekly. He earned first-team All-Conference honors in 2002 and 2004, second-team All-Conference honors in 2003, one of two tight ends in CSU football history to be a three-time all-conference selection, the other being Kelly McGregor, though Trey McBride as well on his way as well. He participated in the 2004 Senior Bowl. He was a pivotal player on the 2002 Mountain West Championship team. And in 2005, he went on to be a six-round draft pick by the New York Jets, played in the NFL for the Jets, the Texans, and the Broncos. Really, really awesome career. I mean, Joel was one of those guys who was repping the Rams in the league when you know, this was pre-Next Level U from, you know, about 2005 to 2000, you know, 14-ish, you know, about a decade-long stretch. There just weren't a ton of CSU guys playing in the league. There were a few, and you still had, you know, some veterans in Clark Hagan and, and Joey Porter, you know, finishing up their career. And obviously, you know, a couple of offensive linemen, Eric Pierce comes to mind. Uh, I think Clint Oldenburg was in the league around then. But, you know, Joel Dreesen was really like the only guy that was, well-known, putting up numbers, you know, was draftable in fantasy football. That's, you know, one way to look at kind of how relevant you are, at least in the, you know, just general conversation with the average football fan. He's second all-time when it comes to CSU tight ends in catches, second in yards, second in receiving touchdowns. I mean, one of the, one of the most decorated football players of all time when it comes to CSU and definitely had a really nice really, really nice pro career. Just one of my favorite players. And he's just a cool dude. If, if, if you've been around Joel Dreesen at all, you know, really genuine guy, gives everybody the time of day. I mean, when I was an up-and-coming reporter at the Collegian, I remember I was covering Richard Higgins' pro day, and he was there, and, you know, I just came up to him, and I was like, Joel, you know, just so you know, you know, I worked for the student paper, grew up, was a massive fan, it's an honor to meet you, and, you know, he talked with me for like 20 minutes, took a picture with me the whole nine yards. It was it was just really cool. One of the guys that I've gotten to meet, one of the CSU legends, and there there are plenty more that I'd love to meet down the line, but Joel's definitely up there. Kyle Bell's such a cool guy as well. So it's always cool when, you know, your your childhood heroes end up being good dudes, you know, the, the old sayings never meet your heroes. But I was I was fortunate when it came to those guys. All right. Like I said, I'm I'm going to talk about Trey McBride, but I do have to also talk about Gary Ozello. He is the final inductee of the Athletic Hall of Fame this year. He was the Sports Information Director, a Senior Associate Athletic Director, and President's Office for External Communications from 1978 to 2020. One of the all-time most respected employees of, of CSU Athletics, that's for sure. I mean, anybody that's ever been around Gary Azello, whether that be in the CSU media, the visiting media, they'll tell you that this guy's first class. I was fortunate to get to work with him in a couple of different things, you know, as a student. And he was always just a really good dude. Gary was one of those guys where, you know, if you showed passion for CSU, he was going to be cool to you. And, you know, I obviously did that. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read the entire 
portion that they have on Gary because I, I liked it. Without question, Gary Ozello stands as one of the most respected individuals in CSU athletic history. Ozello's tenure with Colorado State began while he was a student at the institution when he started working in the sports information office. That run continued for decades. Working with the media on a daily basis, Ozello's dedication and work has inspired generations of former students to learn about media relations and how to handle the difficult situations in the heat of athletic competition. In 2007, he was promoted to Senior Associate Athletic Director for Communications and guided many others in the, in the department while also working with the local and national media. He retired from the athletic department in 2014 to work in the president's office at CSU for external communications. Ozello continued to coach and guide the athletic department while in his role, gaining continued respect and honor for the university. In 2020, he retired from CSU after 42 years of amazing service and dedication to Colorado State University and Colorado State Athletics. Gary Ozello, one of the good ones, one of the all-time Ram legends. Congratulations, my friend. All right, we're going to jump into the OU Texas SEC conversation and the implications for CSU and the Mountain West in just a second. But very briefly, you know, going over Joel Dreesen in particular kind of made me think about Trey McBride's current situation. Obviously, a lot of similarities with those two, two of the more popular, uh, two of the better receiving tight ends in CSU football history. Both come from Fort Morgan, both down to earth guys. Both have uh, cool bicep tattoos. They're just cool guys, you know, cool football players. And, you know, I was kind of trying to think, will Trey McBride go down as, you know, the best tight end in CSU football history? And and there have been a lot of really, really good ones. I mean, when I was doing my DNVR Rams all-time team last summer, it was really hard to narrow it down. And I think, you know, Kelly McGregor and Joel Dreesen kind of stand alone. And then, you know, a small step below them would be, you know, guys like Corey Sperry, Crockett Gilmore, Kevon Cartwright. I mean, Corey Sperry, he has 20 receiving touchdowns. He's up there not just amongst tight ends, but amongst just CSU receivers all time. He's top 10 in receiving touchdowns. So he's he's at least firmly in the conversation. But I really think, you know, Trey is probably at least already in that second group. He's got 74 career receptions, 979 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. He's already a two-time all-conference selection. He's going to be three-time after this year, which will put him in the same conversation as McGregor and Dreesen. The crazy thing when you kind of look at his numbers and you stack them up amongst some of the other grades is, you know, he's only done it in basically two and a third seasons. If he would have gotten to play, you know, eight more games last year, he probably would have already been up over 100 catches, you know, double-digit touchdowns, all of that. And as it stands, he's already in the, you know, basically the top five and catches receiving yards and receiving touchdowns by CSU tight ends. He's just been insanely productive. So when you look at the numbers, when you look at what he's going to have when it comes to accolades by the end of the season, they're obviously going to hold up. But beyond that, I think it's just his legacy as a whole. I mean, Crockett Gilmore was really popular. Don't get me wrong. Corey Sperry, really, really popular, but they didn't they didn't necessarily mean to the team what Trey currently means. I mean, he's the undisputed leader. He's the face of the program. He's been so ride or die despite, you know, really brutal circumstances. And some of those guys had to play for some pretty rough teams themselves. But, you know, it's it's just been such a weird situation with Trey is, you know, freshman year and basically being his coach being on the hot seat. And then you get a new staff and you have everything with the whole coach investigation and he could have left you know for the sec there were a lot of teams that were 
sniffing around. He could have gone pro after this last season, definitely would have gotten drafted, but he's continually remained committed to CSU. He's been, you know, one of the best like vocal leaders of the team, obviously has had some just really awesome highlight plays that that touchdown in the Wyoming game is going to get played on the big screen forever. And just being, you know, completely honest, I think he's going to, I think he's going to pass a couple of these guys and probably at the very least be viewed as the second best tight end in program history, if not the best. I mean, statistically speaking, unless he has like a 90 catch season, which is possible, not likely, but it's possible he could surpass Kelly McGregor in total catches, yards, probably not going to beat Corey Sperry, who has 20 touchdowns. He would need 11 this year just to tie him, 12 to pass him. A touchdown a game, though, is, you know, it's not likely, but it's not out of the question for a guy like him, especially if they have a, a even just a decent passing offense. I think they're going to run the ball really well. You can set it up off the play action. He's just a great red zone threat. But regardless of stats, I think it's clear that when you put his game up and compare it to any of the other tight ends that have come through, he, you know, when, when it comes to his run blocking prowess, his ability to make plays in the open field, his consistent hands, I mean, he goes, he goes up there with anyone. All right, let's move on and, and let's talk about this whole absurd Texas-Oklahoma situation and all the implication. But before we do, DraftKings Sportsbook, not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer for just my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. All they got to do is place. They don't have to finish first. They just got to finish in the top three. Any American. That is going to happen. This is easy money. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now and get in on all of the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends, my family, everyone has been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. I'm telling you, this is easy money. It's free money, basically. Do not miss out. For a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out Solace Meds. That's right, we've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins for my Ram fam, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. Solace has some banging deals the month of July. Here's a Ford to look forward to. They've got 25% off all of the WANA products. You can get 20% off of all of the O-Pen cured resin cartridges, 20% off green dot concentrates, 20% off 111 rosin cones. If you head into their Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. On top of that, it's going to save you 20% on your entire order. Again, that Wheat Ridge location to get a free Solace Bar or King Cone with any purchase when you use the code DNVR20. You can use DNVR20 online at checkout at any of the locations and save 20% off your purchase. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website, view their menu online, order it, 
pick up at your convenience. That's S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com. Purchase from there. You're going to be well on your way. One last time, use that code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire order at Solace Meds. Choo-choo-choo. We obviously led with the audio from Carson Strong giving his opinion on Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> Bluntly said that he didn't think Texas was even going to be relevant in the SEC. And I think that's fair to say. I mean, I obviously, I grew up in my you know early years when I was first getting into college football. You know, Texas was still Texas. You know, I, I think back to some of those teams with Ricky Williams and God, he was so fun to watch or, you know, Vince Young. You know, Vince Young was one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time, still is. That that 05 Texas team was a blast. And, you know, those those USC teams were really, really good. But I was partial to the Big 12 at the time, you know. So I, I loved watching Reggie Bush, don't get me wrong. But I never really rooted for those USC teams. And even in the national championship game, I was I was pulling for Texas, which feels weird to to say now. Just, I don't know, their, their fans have kind of worn me down over time and they're one of those schools where, you know, their their ego is writing checks that they just can't cash at this point. It's it's been 15 years since they've been, you know, relevant since they've been a legitimate contender. And I mean, it's it's gotten to a point where they haven't even really consistently been a top three team in the Big 12 the last couple of years. So I don't know. I just I have a hard time seeing them going into a conference like the SEC and competing on a consistent basis with programs like Alabama you know, with LSU, with Georgia, even Texas A&M, you know, they're, we've had this whole petty beef between Texas A&M and Texas where they've both, you know, been trying to act like they don't care. And really that just shows us how much they do care about each other. They're going to be Texas A&M's little brother in the SEC. They're the sixth, maybe seventh best program, especially if you're also including Oklahoma in this conversation. So other than, you know, financial gain and obviously the the TV contract that the SEC is going to pull out of this when it's all said and done is going to be massive. It's going to be something, you know, a number that we've never seen previously. But is it all about money at this point? I mean, is that the only reason that we're doing any of this is is to just rake in a bunch of money? Obviously, college football is big business. It always has been. It's always going to be, you know, a driver in, in the decisions when it comes to conference realignment. But like I was talking about with Cody Tucker on the podcast last week when we, you know, very first gave our instant reaction to this whole situation and the possibility of Oklahoma and Texas leaving, is that what makes college football special is the rivalry, it's the tradition, it's the history, it's, you know, Texas-Oklahoma, it's Texas, even, you know, Texas-Oklahoma State, Texas-Texas Tech, it's all these big-time games that, you know, we grew up watching, we grew up, you know, picking aside in these rivalries and it's us versus them. It's representation of the community. And when it when it only becomes about business, when it only becomes about the bottom line, I just I feel like you're losing what makes college football special. It's just become a generic, slightly less good product of the NFL. And and that's not good for college football, I don't think, because people that love college football love everything that comes with it. Obviously, it's gonna be a really high brand of you know, high-level brand of football being played in the SEC with all these power teams, but I don't know, man. I just, I feel like it's not good for the game as a whole. I feel like we took a couple steps forward when it came to the potential college football expansion in the in the playoff, and now we're taking like three steps back with this, so it's just, I don't know, it's disappointing to me. Regardless of, you know, what anybody's personal preference or, you know, feelings on this are, though, the big question, obviously, now is, 
you know, what happens to the other Big 12 teams? What happens to the Big 12 conference? Does it just completely fall apart? I mean, I I don't see a situation where, you know, the TV providers are going to be paying the same money to the Big 12 that they were when Texas and Oklahoma were in the picture. So because of that, you know, does the Big 12, do they get a, aggressive and, and try and add members? You know, maybe they go out and they try and poach a bunch of teams and kind of fill the gap that way or does it disband altogether you know do we see various members of the big 12 kind of picked apart by these other conferences and i could really see either situation playing out when it's all said and done but i'm just going to kind of go through a, a couple of different scenarios depending on you know how this could play out when it's all said and done i did want to read this statement from the mountain west conference this was from commissioner craig thompson and it was released on uh, monday the 26th the Mountain West immediately engaged when we became aware of the potential for conference realignment. That has included gathering information over the past few days from across the industry. And earlier today, our board of directors and directors of athletics convened to evaluate that intelligence and discuss the next steps. Our intent is to actively appraise various scenarios, identify potential opportunities, and take actions which can positively impact the trajectory of the conference and our member institutions. We will do our work confidentially and our only comment further as appropriate or necessary. A lot to take away there. Um, I mean, you have to you have to put out some type of statement if you're the Mountain West that you know at least appears like you're you know not trying to get left behind. We talked a lot about the ever changing landscape of college football and the arms race and you know kind of the gaps between the haves and the have-nots. And you know this is something I'd love to talk to Joe Parker about, but. You know, what are you doing to make sure that CSU isn't one of the schools that gets left behind when all of this, you know, realignment or shift or whatever, you know, ends up being done in a couple of years? All right. With that in mind, I'm just going to kind of talk through a couple of different expansion scenarios and, you know, various ways that these conferences could, you know, maybe play out. Obviously, you know, I don't have any inside information. You know, I don't know what these conferences are looking for. This is just kind of based off what I've read. And, you know, a couple of my theories. We'll start with, you know, the potential of, you know, the Big 12 just falling apart altogether. And I think that's very likely at this point, just given that they lost their their two biggest brands. If that were to happen, it, it would be really interesting to see what remained of the other schools. Obviously, you know, there's the potential of the Big 10 trying to expand. They've already got 14 teams, but they could, you know, go to 16, which kind of seems like, that's the way that a lot of these power conference are, conferences are trending. If that were the case, I would imagine that the Big Ten would try and take Kansas and Iowa State. They're two of the only schools that are going to meet the academic standards that the Big Ten holds. You had two really powerful basketball brands, and you know the Big Ten's already been one of the better basketball conferences in recent memory. You had these two two schools that really certifies it probably as top dog. Iowa State's on the rise when it comes to football. Kansas is Kansas is pretty brutal. Like no reason to to hold anything back there. But I mean, they already added Rutgers, so it, I don't think you know necessarily being the best football program is the biggest deal in the world when it comes to the Big Ten. If Kansas and and Iowa State were poached by the Big Ten, that would obviously leave the Texas schools. You still have Oklahoma State and West Virginia. In this particular scenario, I I just wonder what happens with the Texas schools first and foremost. 
There are some reports that TCU, Texas Tech, and Baylor, as well as Oklahoma State, are in the mix in the Pac-12. That doesn't really make any sense to me, other than, you know, you have a ton of schools in Texas and California, so maybe it, you know, if you're the Texas schools, it, it you think it helps your recruiting prowess in California. It, it's obviously a more stable deal than what's currently happening in the Big 12. And if you're the Pac-12 schools, you add a Texas brand, which should help you with recruiting. You know, I, I think it's no secret that the Pac-12 has been a step behind these other major conferences the last couple of years. So I, I understand it there. My big questions are, you know, religious affiliation. Does that come into play? You know, the Pac-12, and they're kind of cautious when it comes to adding, you know, schools with religious ties. That's why I don't really ever see BYU being in the mix. But, you know, Texas Christian University and Baylor obviously have, you know, religious affiliations as well. You know, maybe the Pac-12 just decides, screw it, we're going to look past that because we need to strengthen our athletic brand as a whole. But culturally, I just, I don't really see it being a fit in the Pac-12 at all. And that's, you know, that makes me think, well, maybe the ACC looks at them or, you know, maybe a conference like the Mountain West or, you know, the American, they, they try and add those Texas schools as well as, you know, Kansas State and maybe Oklahoma State. I still think the West Virginia would probably only be a fit in the American or the ACC. Oklahoma State, I think, could go either way. Travel-wise, they probably make more sense in the American, just given the geographic location of it all. But geography doesn't seem to be, you know, a big factor when it comes to these conference expansion talks. Anyways, a lot of these schools have a lot more money. They're willing to, you know, spend the dough for their Olympic sports and all that. And I don't know, it's just going to be interesting. The The other scenario, you know, if the Big 12, if the, the current members do stay, let's say Kansas and Iowa State don't go to the Big 10, the other schools don't go to the Pac-12 or the ACC or the American or whatever it may be, you know, who are some of the candidates that they could consider and you know obviously CSU fans they want to be in that conversation and I do think that realistically if if the Big 12 were to look to other teams to you know kind of add into the mix CSU would at least be in the mix still there's a ton of alumni in the region that helps you know having DIA that's a big selling point and international airport is a big deal easy to get in and out of you know Denver you know you could host games you know, at the Broncos Stadium, if you had to, I think there's a there's a lot of a lot of reason to like Fort Collins, the the metro area, and then obviously the the rapid growth in Northern Colorado is a a great selling point as well. CSU doesn't have a medical school, which could hurt them, but it hurts them more with the Pac-12 more than it hurts them with the Big 12. The thing that's that's kind of tough to sell CSU on being a, a legitimate candidate for Power Five expansion at the moment, especially in a conference like the Big 12 is just the lack of consistent football success. I mean, it's been almost 20 years since their last conference championship, had a couple of moments in the sun here and there under, you know, Jim McElwain, a couple of bowl seasons, but, you know, they haven't had the consistent success that, you know, Boise State has had that, you know, even San Diego State has had. I put on Twitter that I think San Diego State would be the most appealing member of the Mountain West if I were a Power 5 conference trying to steal someone. And part of that is, you know, look, San Diego State, it's not Harvard, but they do have a medical school. It gives you access to San Diego, the California market. You get a perennial top 25 basketball team, a team that's always in the NCAA tournament. And you get a football program that's 
basically been, you know, they show up and finish with at least eight wins every single year. And I do think, especially in, in this scenario, where it would be these Big 12 members kind of scrambling, trying to add teams, I think less so than usual, because a lot of the times the decisions that drive expansion are the things I was talking about, you know, alumni base, you know, geographic region, money, you know, institutional success, academic rankings, all of that stuff. Those always come into play because it's, you know, university presidents and chancellors that are making these types of decisions. But in this current situation where you're just, you're kind of just trying to make your brand a little bit sexier when it comes to the quality of football being played, you know, that could, that could kind of hurt CSU right now. That could be a situation where the big 12 kind of, you know, sells their soul a little bit and they add a, you know, no offense to anybody that's graduated from there, but a not so great institution in Boise state, because you're just simply trying to add football brands that people want. They could do the same thing with, you know, someone like BYU, BYU gets complicated because they won't play on Sundays and that gets tricky with, you know, the Olympic sports and all that. So there's other factors, but if I were the big 12 members, Personally, and obviously I'm biased given my history, you know, I'm a CSU grad. I've followed the Mountain West my whole life. I would add Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, and BYU. If you don't want to add BYU, I would try and add Cincinnati. That'd be expensive travel-wise, but I just think they're the, the best program. Or, you know, you go for Florida and Central Florida. Or I could see a situation where they look east and they add UCF, Cincinnati, and then I would add Boise State and San Diego State. I, I hate admitting it. You know, I I obviously want to see CSU in the in the in the mix, and I I would hate to see them get left behind. That's just kind of what my gut w- is telling me. You know, would be the top targets. Again, I I do think CSU has a strong resume, and you know, you you bust out a couple of winning seasons here. That's really going to help the cause. But you know, as things currently stand, kind of have to prove it. You know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be the guy that's, you know, saying, hey, CSU has no hope in the world because I, I genuinely don't believe that's the case. I think the, the on-campus stadium is a great selling point. I think the growth of Fort Collins in northern Colorado is a great selling point. I think having so many alumni in the region helps. I think DIA helps. I think Denver being an attractive city helps. I think all of that is fair to say. I just also think, you know, CSU, they got to they got to strengthen that national brand a little bit when it comes to, you know, how people view CSU on a competitive level. And that's just going to take a couple of winning seasons. And I, I just hope they have enough time. I guess that's, that's my biggest concern right now is that it's not going to happen quickly that they kind of already missed the boat with, you know, just being so mediocre the last half decade. And again, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to, accurately assess the situation and give it to you guys straight. And and this is where I'm at when it comes to big 12 expansion and, you know, Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the sec and all of the implication that it could have on CSU or the mountain West. And I mean, the, the truth really is that it could not impact the mountain West that much at all. I mean, people act like if they go to these four 16 super conferences, that it's going to be the death of the, the smaller programs and, I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing that. Like if you're an sec team, you don't want to just play 12 sec teams, right? Like they're still going to have to play some of these other schools. I mean, if it completely kills the bowl system and it's a situation where none of these teams have anything to play for, then maybe it really could impact them. Maybe we see a completely different subdivision. 
that would suck. That would completely suck. But the truth is, I mean, the gap between the Power 5 and the G5 is already so substantial anyways. I mean, it's not like it's that different. They're basically playing for different things as is. You know, Steve Adazio was super honest when asked about, you know, the the potential of a G5 team making the college football playoff in the current format. He he didn't say it's impossible, but, you know, it, he thought about it, you know, and then bluntly was just like, it would be hard. Like, yeah, maybe not impossible, but dang near impossible. So I guess my whole point is just that, you know, is it really that different than the current format? If if one of these conferences just gets, you know, a little bit richer, I mean, SEC is always just going to keep getting richer and so are these other power leagues. But I will say this, if you're the Mountain West, if you're a school like CSU, you cannot afford to sit on your hands. You've got to be active. You got to do whatever you can. I mean, the Mountain West, if, if they just sit par with it, the current 12 teams, I think that'd probably be a disappointment, especially if we see, you know, the American or, or one of these other leagues poach some of these schools. I mean, at the very least, like go scoop up Kansas state, you know, add something that's, a team that's competitive on a national level in college football. They've had some good moments in college basketball. Geographically, it's not a big deal. Travel-wise, they're close enough where it wouldn't be too big of a burden on these California schools to go to Kansas and vice versa. You just can't afford to to do nothing. That's where I'm at. I'm interested to see how this all plays out in you know the next year or coming years or so. But yeah, the tides are the tides are turning. These times are a changing. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more content throughout the week. Oh, actually, before we go, before we go here, I am excited to announce we are going to have a watch party at Panhandler's Pizza. That's September 18th for the Toledo game. I believe it's a 2 p.m. kickoff, so you know I'll be there before that. Come hang out at Panhandler's, a Fort Collins OG establishment, hoping you know to kind of make that the place to be. We have all these really fun watch parties in Denver at the DNVR bar. And, and so many Fort Collins people have been like, yo, when are you going to do this up here? We're going to have that opportunity for the Toledo game, potentially more down the line as well. That's what I'm hoping. I, I do hope to travel for some of these road games, so I, I'm not sure 100% what that is all going to look like, but I definitely will be at the Toledo watch party at the very minimum. It's going to be a blast. Hopefully CSU you know, will be 2-0 and going into that game and you know, playing for 3-0, and get a little bit of momentum going into that Iowa game. So it's going to be a tough one, not going to lie. That Toledo team is going to be really good. I think they're going to win the MAC. so it's going to be a tough test for the Rams after a couple of home games. Anyways, shout out Panhandlers Pizza. Make sure you're there on September 18th for that watch party. You know, all the cool kids are going to be there. Just saying, put a little peer pressure on you. All right, that's all I have for today. Looking forward to really diving into the season. Fall camp is almost here. I applied for my credential this morning. Football's in the air, baby. Football is in the air. All right. Hope everyone has a great week, great day, great night, whenever you may be listening to this. I don't know. Just stay safe out there. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I